The following program is underwritten in part by Viagen Pets, the leading provider of animal genetic preservation and cloning services. Preserve the genes of your dog or cat to extend the special bond you share with them. Get your free information kit and special offer for animal radio listeners at www.viagenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N pets.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. <laughs> it's like a farm around here, isn't it? It we, is. We've got the dogs and the cats, and then we have the chickens off in the background laying eggs. Yep. And uh, soon we're going to talk sloths. Yeah, this hour, sloth love i used to love sloths when i was a kid i thought you know you read those books and you just think what a curious animal they are the cutest i just absolutely they're adorable i wish i could have a sloth but i think they're illegal to own aren't yeah, they? And i guess they they can't run away huh they're not real fast i don't think so but they got some heck of some nails so i don't know that i'd want to they do have big them. nails yeah you wouldn't want to freak them out so we're going to talk to sam troll she's a photographer and she's put together a book called sloth love of which we will have giveaways for you and that's not the only giveaway we have for you today. Uh, we have a pod tracker. This is a GPS Wi-Fi pet tracker for you to keep track of your animals, your dog in particular, and that'll be happening in the second hour today. Also, five pets that are illegal to own. What are they? Well, Robert Simro will tell you what those pets are in just a few minutes. And Lori Brooks from the newsroom, what do you got coming up this hour? Well, if you are a cat lover, I used to love this. You come home from the grocery store and you have, a, you know, bags and you go to Price Club, Costco or whatever, and you have boxes all over the place. Cats love those things. Yep. But it turns out there's lots of reasons why. And we'll kind of share that with you coming up in just a few minutes. I noticed that whenever I spend all kinds of money on my cat gifts, they just like the wrapping paper in the box that it came in. That's, that's, that's what they prefer. It's amazing how cheap some cat toys can be, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> Hey, Mark, how are you doing? Good. Yourself? How are you, Doc? Very. Oh, well, I'm not the Doc. I'm, I'm actually the moron. You can just call me moron, but the Doc's right Aww. here with me. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. I'm messing with you. I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing better than I think my uh, my leash is. Got a quick obedience question. Somebody help okay. me with that. Sure. Let me share with you. I, I've always had German Shepherds, which is just fabulous in my book, but... A few years ago, we went to the Labrador Retriever, Chocolate Lab. He's, he's a beautiful, great boy. But when we walk, he will pull and pull until he gags himself. I've, I've tried the gentle lead. I've tried the body harness. I think I got a sled dog instead of a, a, a Labrador. <laughs> I don't, he's actually pulled my wife down to where she, she tore some muscle in her knees. So this is really concerning me now because he, okay. he just, he's out of control and he's a strong boy. Yeah, so you tried the lead, the one that goes over the nose, and then you also tried what kind of harness? Um, I tried the gentle lead. He'll still pull so hard he'll start bruising his nose. The mm, other harness okay. I got, it goes around his back, under his armpit, with a little uh, hook in the front of his chest. Okay, so like a chest and lead, just, okay. I, I, I wish I could put him on front of my skateboard, but I'm too old for those anymore. Oh. Well, you know, the... That's a polar. Yes, you, you do. In, in Labradors, it's very common. These guys have so much energy about life in general. They just want to go, 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 go. And that is part of their, part of their charm. Um, yes. the, 
The challenge with training um, a good leash walker is that our expectations have to change how we can walk him. So as much as we want him to get exercise, if we're trying to train him to not pull, um, we have to reward him for short bouts of healing in an appropriate manner. So this, I can tell you, I've had labs, and it can be just kind of uh, pull your hair out frustrating. Um, But I went through this with my one lab. And you basically have to teach them to just start off with the healing command and just really take one or two steps without pulling and reward. Have the treats, positive rewards, and really having them even focus on you as you're, you're doing this. The expectations yes, to start sure. walking, going around the block and coming back and asking him to heal nicely isn't going to work. And it is counterproductive because you're just reasserting and he's doing what he wants to do and it's been working for him. So he's not understanding why it's a problem. So when we're teaching a dog that pulls to not pull, we want to reward them for what we call loose leash walking. So healing without yanking on that. And it may be just a few steps. And that's it. And you repeat that over and over and you give positive rewards. And we don't go for, you know, a big trip around the block. Um, Uh, Some people for doing that. Yeah, so in, this is where I can tell you I wanted just to pull my hair out when I had my my uh, male lab yep. as a puppy because we would my my husband would walk yeah, the other dog no. and she was fine and I would have to stay far behind and just do these drills over and over again and we did that a couple times a day and we just practiced it until he really got the whole uh, loose leash walking right by my side. Now some people t- will use different tools like you mentioned there's the gentle lead harness which fits like a bridle over the muzzle, the chest right. harness which takes away the pull um instinct from a lot of dogs and it kind of turns them where you want them to go. Um, but anything we use has to be paired with the appropriate command and redirection when they're doing something the right way we don't want them to. So, and, and I've actually even had some good success with prong collars. But if you're using those kind of items inappropriately without the proper um, commands and rewards, it's not going to get you where you want to be. So, um, you know, for some some people have a, a big problem with them. For me, that I call them my dog's brakes, and. Um, if they have it on, they don't have a problem. They they walk and they mind very well. If I need the brakes wow. because of an emergency, they see a rabbit, they want to run across the road, the brakes come on, yep. but it's just uh-huh. a gentle reminder. Um, but again, if you're not... I, I watch these, you know, guide dogs and the service dogs. I get so jealous. They're just, oh, there's another, I don't know, they're more calm than my kids. Yeah. That's amazing when I watch those. So, so my suggestion for you is, is going to be to work on this kind of leash training, not to go out the direction that you do when you go for a walk. Because there's a lot of excitement that builds with that. So I want you to practice this kind of leash walking in your own backyard on a leash. And picking a really scrumptious treat that's going to be a high-value reward. So that may be something like um, string cheese bits. Um, I'm not a hot dog fan, but some people use hot dogs. Um, Little pieces of cooked chicken. What's that? So, yeah. Don't. Go take them out. We usually do about two miles a day. We don't take them on a two-mile for this, this program. Yeah. Take them on it, the backyard yeah. up and down the walk. Yeah. The other thing, if you do need an outlet for his exercise, um, I have some clients that actually get the little dog um, treadmills. So you can nice. train them to the treadmill to burn off that energy that you might be losing because you're not yet ready for that kind of big leash walk. Um, yeah. And that's one oh, yeah. thing. We some do. dogs really thrive on that. Yep, yep. 
I think I'm going to try those baby steps and just, uh, you know, just try up and down the backyard, maybe down the sidewalk in front of my house, 20 steps and 20 steps rather than two miles, two miles. Yep. And really remember baby steps. Yes. And remember, so if you take, if you take two steps and he's already pulling, that's too far. So you build on those good, successful short bouts, and that may be only a couple steps. And instead of, uh, you know, a lot of yanking, you just stop. You're, you, you just stop where you're at and, um, say heel and then have him come back. So, you know, we don't want to make it a, a kind of a choke fest. That's not what it's about. We just want him to no. learn that listening to you and staying close to you is going to be where he gets the payout. You know, I'm from Vegas, so, you know, that's when the big payout Uh comes. Right, (laughs) exactly. Well, I'll definitely give that a try, you know, and I'll try that with the baby steps and we'll see what happens. All right. Well, good luck, Mark, and I love those Labradors, so give your baby a pat on the head. They're still Marboys, but thank you so much. Thanks for listening, Mark. We appreciate it. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by World's Best Cat Litter. We all love our cats, but we hate buying cat litter, don't you? I love the concentrated power of World's Best Cat Litter. It gives me more performance with less litter, and I get mine over at Target, sometimes Walmart, and my local grocery and pet store. Thanks, World's Best, for underwriting this portion of Animal Radio. Sylvia, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Where are you calling from? Uh, right at the moment, I'm going through Hartford, Connecticut. You're traveling today? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I deliver horse trailers. You deliver horse trailers? Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I understand you have a horse question for uh, Dr. Debbie. Yeah, I've got a, a... He has an 18-year-old thoroughbred gelding. Uh, he's pretty skinny. I took... I, took him in. Uh, I run a small equine rescue down in East Texas, and uh, I've gotten his teeth floated. He had an abscess tooth, and he's got a couple of teeth missing, and uh, I've got him I've got him on that one and only horse feed, and I'm trying to figure out if that's, a, if that's a good feed to have him on, or do I need to try something else? Okay, and he's, since you've had his teeth floated, he's not gaining weight since then still? Uh, he's probably put on a little bit of weight. I haven't really been, I haven't been home to really see what he looks like right at the moment. I pretty much stay out on the road most of the time. My mm-hmm. son takes care of the horses. Okay. All right. Well, if it's not something that we can easily see an improvement after his teeth have been addressed, you know, I'll be honest, I don't work on horses on a regular basis, but dog, cat, horse, pig, otherwise, if we've tried just some reasonable care and that hasn't changed in his overall body condition, then I'm inclined to say, okay, we gotta, we gotta go looking for something there. Yeah. Well, I, uh, we've wormed him and everything and, uh, I think it was the feed because we just, I just started him on that one and only. And it's like a, like a round wafer looking, you know. And mm-hmm. I had him on strategy. The strategy was a pellet and he couldn't really keep a whole lot of it in his mouth. You know, he ended up dropping a lot of feed, so. Sure, sure. Well, That's and you know, I can tell you that, you know, like I said, sometimes when the body weight is not coming up, even though we're on a good diet, um, there can be problems brewing. And, and things beyond teeth and deworming, there's a lot more to uh, equine medicine even. You know, we do blood work on these guys, uh, scoping them. There can be a whole gamut of issues. So um, I can direct you to, I have some wonderful colleagues in the veterinary world um, that are online and um, that have maybe a bit, uh, actually a heck of a lot more equine experience than me, um, since my uh, horses are very large, great Dane. 
Danes that I deal with. <laughs> but I would say, if you go to the website Pet Docs on Call um, and ask an equine question, you will find oodles of veterinarians that are prepared to answer those feed-specific questions and, and maybe give you a little bit more guidance in that way. And we'll link to it from the front of the website, too, for others that may want to do that at AnimalRadio.com. We appreciate your call, one 405 8405 you're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, this is Mayim Bialik on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. For over a decade, Viagen has been the leading provider of genetic preservation and cloning services of prized livestock with thousands of satisfied clients. Now announcing Viagen Pets providing genetic preservation and cloning services to pet parents. Consider preserving the genes of your pet to extend the special bond you share with them. Get your free information kit and special offer for Animal Radio listeners at www.viagenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N-Pets.com. Did you know canine caviar diets are formulated with common health concerns in mind, such as diabetes, cancer, and kidney disease? You see, canine caviar uses low GI carbs, which reduce hunger and prolong physical endurance. Free of GMO, gluten, hormones, steroids, and antibiotics, canine caviar's five-star dog and cat foods are the only alkaline-based foods in the world, and that promotes a healthy lifestyle for your furry family. Find out more at caninecaviar.com. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Oh, it's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. Here is the toll-free number. 1-866-405-8405. On the other end, Dr. Debbie and dog father Joey Volani answering your pet-related questions. And don't forget, you can ask your questions from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download. Thanks to those folks over at Doctors Fosters and Smith. Now, this hour, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to photographer Sam Troll. And she photographs mostly wildlife, but she's done a book called Sloth Love. And if you love oh. sloths like I love sloths... <laughs> Oh, yeah. They are just the cutest little guys, girls, uh, critters. And she's put a whole book together featuring the sloth. I wish this is one of those moments. I wish it was television. I could hold up this picture here and you could just drool over it. Like you would I, fall in love. Yes, it is very cute. Uh, so she's on the way. We will have giveaways of the book coming up uh, in just a few minutes. Also, we have a guy who has a brand new GPS Wi-Fi pet tracker. And we'll find out what he's doing. And I think he has giveaways for us. Is that correct? I believe so. And one of the brand new features that I really love here on Animal Radio is Listomania with Robert Simro. Always a great list. This week, he's going to talk about the five pets that are illegal to own. Five pets that are illegal to own. 
I don't think in California you can't have a ferret. Ferrets are illegal in California That's and New ridiculous. York. ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 But yet you can go to the uh, Petco or any pet store and get ferret food and ferret accessories, <laughs> which is... <laughs> go figure. A little strange to me. Uh, but I don't know if ferrets on his list. Uh, we'll find out with the five pets that are illegal to own in a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Let's go to the phones for Dr. Debbie right now. one 405 8405 Welcome to the show, Linda. Hello. Where are you calling from? Hi, um, I'm calling from Torrance, uh, La- California. Los Angeles area. What's going yes, on? Yes. I have Dr. Debbie right here. I have a 13-year-old chihuahua named Daisy, and she is beginning to have gum problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had non-anesthetic cleaning done for her in the last two years as she's getting oh. older, uh, oh. being concerned, you know, about putting her under anesthetic. And but her gums, uh, she's had extractions previously too when she was younger because her teeth uh, had problems. But now um, her breath is getting really strong. Okay, just calm down, doctor. Just calm down. She, she's all red right now. As oh. soon as you said, as soon as you said. And I, I wanted to know, you know, what is a home remedy that is good to really maintain her gums? She has a little bit of bleeding. If I clean it regularly. Um, I use a little bit of peroxide and water, but um, someone told me about the salt water rinse with some baking soda. Okay. I'm, I'm going to have to back up because, hell yeah, he saw me kind of popping my top over here. Um, <laughs> as far as with non-anesthetic dental cleanings, all yes. I can say is this is one of the biggest biggest hoaxes that people think they're doing some good for their pets, and mm-hmm. they are not. If a non-anesthetic dental cleaning is done, basically Mm -hmm. you get a better feel that, wow, Mm -hmm. I've done something for my dog because there's tartar that's chipped off the teeth. But the reality is that does nothing for the true dental disease, which lies under the gum line, which is where periodontal disease really brews. So when you talk about odor and you talk about bleeding gums, those Mm -hmm. are hallmark signs of Mm. periodontal disease. So... Mm I, I never recommend people to do awake dental cleanings. In really? many cases, yeah, in many cases, if these are done at grooming parlors or pet yes. events, they're done by non-licensed personnel. So it's kind of the equivalent of uh, going to your hairdresser and asking her to do an eye lift for you or doing oh, Botox. Uh-huh, so, it, uh-huh. and truly, in my eyes, this is um, jeopardizing the safety of a lot of pets um, because you are missing out on those opportunities to really intervene and do some good to try to turn around that dental uh, mm-hmm. status there. Mm-hmm. So, but, but what are your I, thoughts on an older pet being under anesthetic? You know, it really depends on the individual. I, um, I'm a very cautious uh, practitioner. I can tell you that. But when I have an older pet and we have advanced dental disease, I look at the pet as a whole. So I look to see are there other ongoing problems, other health problems going on that might pose an extra risk. But if we Mm -hmm. just have an old dog with bad teeth, Mm -hmm. that is um, not a reason why I will not do a dental cleaning. And I've done dental cleanings, extractions on pets that have horrendous mouths because people are afraid to address that when we have an older pet. Really? Okay. That fear alone is just jeopardizing your pet's safety because we're ignoring that bacterial film, all those negative products that are through the blood system affecting other organs. And it's she's swallowing it. Oh, like she's swallowing exactly. all the bacteria every day. Swallowing, but it goes through the blood system. And oh. we know dogs with dental disease can also have heart uh, heart murmurs, heart okay. disease, because that bacteria travels to the heart, can cause kidney problems, liver problems, oh. all sorts of things. I could go on and on. But yeah. if you go, okay. kind of going back to your 
your question, um, you know, if I had your pet here and I was examining them, um, if all we found was dental disease in an old baby, um, yeah. I would consider it, um, especially if we've got a lot going on in that mouth. And there are many dogs that once we address a really nasty, rotten mouth, mm-hmm. deal with that, extract the rotten teeth, get them on antibiotics, get things healed up, and many times they'll feel better. You'll notice they have more pep in their step, and then we have an overall healthier pet. Mm-hmm. So um, there mm-hmm. is some value to that. Now, okay. some of the things you asked about what you can do at home, yes. the number one thing that pet mm-hmm. owners can do to maintain your pet's health mm-hmm. is brush their teeth. Okay. Um, okay. That is the best thing because that exercises the gums, and it also helps to dislodge the bacteria and the plaque okay. products at the gum line. Now, if you got a lot of gunk in there already and there's bleeding gums, oh, my God, don't do that because that's really? already an ouchie ouchy painful oh. condition and we need to intervene um, then once those teeth get clean you can get on a real good regimen at home and I, I usually don't recommend things like salt it can cause vomiting when they ingest enough of it yeah. there's so many other better products that we can use that are safe I can tell you the oldest dog that I did a dental cleaning on was yeah. 19 years old oh well that gives uh, a little more reassurance uh, yeah thank you so much for your call and give your little Daisy a good pat one 405 Hi, this is Joy Behar on Animal Radio. Please stay and neuter your pets. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy. With prescription medications and over-the-counter products like Advantix Flea and Tick Medication delivered right to your door. Learn more at fosterandsmith.com. I'm Lori Brooks. A luxury apartment community near Grand Rapids, Michigan, says it will be using DNA technology as a way to sniff out dog owners who fail to pick up their pet's poop. The Ridges of Cascade Complex, as it's known, is asking dog owners to swab their pet's mouth so that it can build a DNA database that will allow it to identify residents who ignore their very strict pet cleanup policy. The management company, in fact, has already contracted with the Tennessee-based company Poo Prints in order to collect DNA samples of each dog that already lives in the development. It's estimated that about 60% of the apartment residents there do own a pet, so from now on, if a doggy doo-doo pile is found on the grounds of the complex, a sample of it will then be sent off to Poo Prints, where it will be matched to the offending dog and owner, and violators will face a $350 fine. Anyone who has spent time with cats knows how they love to find their way inside of boxes and bags, but there's actually apparently a scientific explanation behind the attraction between cats and bags and boxes. According to the folks at Wired, cats are naturally wired to like small closed-in spaces. They say it's their natural instinct for safety and security. Also, a cat entering an enclosed space is kind of an adaptive coping mechanism for them that serves to reduce their stress and give 
give them time to sort things out. And they say there is also a physiological reason your cat prefers small areas. Cats' temperatures do tend to run a bit cooler than humans do, so cats prefer a warmer environment than we do. So they kind of seek out a snuggly box or a small contained area that allows a cat's body heat to warm up that small space and keep it toasty warm. A community is coming together in support of a Lakeland, Florida woman who is now fighting to keep her pet alligator, yeah, alligator, that she's been a mother to already for 10 years. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission says she may have to give up the pet Rambo because of a licensing issue. So she has taken the first step and started a petition on change.org asking the agency to allow Rambo to please stay in her care. A special Facebook page, of course, has also been set up to gain support for Rambo, who, by the way, is more than six feet long. He's a big boy. But according to authorities, that is pretty big. And they say a pet alligator that size must live on at least two and a half acres or more of land. His owner says Rambo, by the way, has never, ever lived in the wild and has already developed sensitivity to sunlight and had by the time she rescued him 10 years ago. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy. With everyday low prices on products like Quellin and Rimadil delivered right to your door with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Learn more at FosterAndSmith.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. And about a year ago, I was on our Facebook page over at Animal Radio. It's a great place to uh, spend a good afternoon or two (laughs) checking out videos. And uh, someone had posted a video of a sloth, a little baby sloth, and that is about when I fell in love with these little critters, because I'd never really known about them. You, you certainly aren't very educated about them here no. in the United States. Uh-uh. I've always dreamed, as many people have, about having a sloth. Wouldn't it be great to have a little pet sloth? Unfortunately, I don't think that's the way it works. I think they might be uh, illegal in the United States. But if you do go down to Costa Rica, where Sam Troll, photographer Sam Troll, is with us. Hi, Sam. How are you doing? Hi, good. How are you? Very good. Now, you're down there in Costa Rica, and there's plenty of sloths, right? There are a lot of sloths in Costa Rica. Um, They're pretty much in every area of the country. Oh, really? Okay. So tell listeners that don't know what a sloth is, what is a sloth? Is it a marsupial? Is it a primate? What does it look like? Um, it's neither. Actually, sloths belong to um, a family called xenarthrins, and they, um, they're they most closely related to armadillos and anteaters. But okay. they're arboreal mammals. They live solely in the trees. They can't they can't live without trees. Um, but they do kind of remind me of primates, but they're not primates. And they don't move very fast, do they? <laughs> in general, no. Um, they actually can move a lot faster than most people think. Like when a, when people see a sloth at their top speed for the very first time, everyone's always shocked. They're like, wow, they can move. Um, and I'm like, yeah, they can move. So they're, they're faster than most people think. But, yeah, they, they rely on conserving energy and being efficient. I see there's a website associated with uh, your press release here that's the Sloth Institute Costa Rica. So there's actually a Sloth Institute? 
Yeah, so actually because, so I, I first came to Costa Rica and I started um, working with an organization called Kids Saving the Rainforest, and they have a wildlife rescue center there, and then that's where I fell in love with sloth. But as I was working with them, I realized that um, they, there's such a great need to, to study them more and to learn about them more and to figure out how to release the hand-raised sloths and monitor them after they're released. So I started the Sloth Institute with a friend of mine, and um, basically the whole goal of the Sloth Institute is to save sloths by learning about them and teaching others how they can save them as well. Is it legal to own sloths as a pet in Costa Rica? No, um, it's it's illegal, and it's very good that it's illegal because they would make terrible pets. They would be Why is that? Happy. Why is that? They would be really unhappy. They're, they're happy in the trees. I mean, most wild animals, in fact, all wild animals, they shouldn't be pets because they're not used to being with humans. You're taking them for element. It would be like us sticking you up in the, the top of a tree and saying, all right, have a nice life. <laughs> so the opposite would be bringing a wild animal that's used to living in the trees into a house and, and asking them to be happy. They belong out in the trees, and their their diet is very um, specific. They only eat leaves, and so it's very hard to replicate their diet. In fact, three-toed sloths um, are not found in captivity outside of their habitat country in general because they don't survive. They just die because they're too stressed out and, and nobody can get the diet correct. Oh, they just don't seem like they're a stressed out animal when you see them. I mean, in general, um, sloths are pretty good at being relaxed, but they do hide their stress very well. And that's one thing that makes it tricky when you're trying to raise them and rescue them and rehab them because it can be really hard to tell when they're stressed out because they have that permanent smile on their face that, of course, we <laughs> interpret as happiness. But for them, it's, it's just permanently there. It doesn't actually mean that they're happy. So what's, but it does make them extra cute. <laughs> someone like me who just loves the sloths, what is the best way for me to interact with sloths? Would it be to visit Costa Rica or a country that has them? Well, there are some two-toed sloths in zoos. Um, okay. And so uh, you, can definitely, you can definitely go to different zoos and see them. Um, but he's not going to interact with them, right? He's not going like, to get in there and cuddle with them and stuff no. like that. Yeah, no, they're, I mean, actually, two-toed sloths can be extremely dangerous. They have a pretty bad bite. <laughs> oh, so, really? If you try to touch one, um, you could regret it pretty quickly. Is it that the same with the three-toed sloths, or is it just the two-toed? The three-toeds are a lot calmer, but again, like, since they're wild animals, they don't like being touched. Sure. So while I understand the, the desire, um, it's not very good for them to do that. So these videos that I see on our Facebook page of uh, sloths in a cage eating, laying on their back eating uh, fruit and stuff, they look pretty happy, but is that probably an unsavory situation that we're viewing on the video? It could be. I mean, some of those videos are from rescue centers um, in, in the habitat country, like in Costa Rica, probably from Costa Rica. So a lot of those sloths, um, they're there, even though, you know, they probably don't enjoy being in a cage. They're there because they're sick or they're injured. And so we're taking care of them is trying to get them better to then release them. Um, that's what we do. That's the only reason why I interact with them at all is to rehabilitate them and get them back out into the wild where they belong. Um, but if you do see any videos where um, it looks kind of like a pet situation, then that could be that could be bad for them. What is their lifespan? We're not 100% sure. In zoos, there are some two-toed sloths that are in their 40s, so wow. that's a pretty long time. Um, some of the, A lot of the literature says that they guess that their average uh, lifespan in the wild is like 20 years, so they have pretty long life histories. 
Well, your book is great for anybody that loves sloths. I'd like to go ahead and give 10 copies away right now. It's called Sloth Love, an inspiring and intimate visual journey into the world of sloths where you have photographed. Just There's not one photograph in here that you could just not like. I mean, it, they're all so cute and so Thank adorable. You. And you did a wonderful job photographing Thank them, you. too. They look like they had fun getting photographed. <laughs> they do. A lot of them see me as their mother because they were orphaned at, you know, less than a week old some of them so i'm kind of the only mom they knew for a while and so i think they got used to where they would hear the camera click and think oh mom is near (laughs) that's it we got to get down to costa rica yeah definitely definitely (laughs) go visit these animals sloth love the book sam troll the photographer and caretaker of these animals visit the website the sloth institute costa rica.org and of course links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com Sam, thanks so much for hanging with us today. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Hanging with us, that's a little sloth joke. Oh, you guys are... Well, this healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more over at redbarninc.com. Thanks, guys, for underwriting Animal Radio. When's the best time to enjoy twisted tea? Why don't we do a little The hard iced tea brewed like a beer that tastes like real iced tea because it's made with real iced tea. Hanging out at the pool, fishing with your buddy. Twisted tea hard iced tea tastes great anytime. Cool, refreshing, smooth, but with a kick. Why don't we do a little Twisted tea, real iced tea taste with a kick. Twisted tea brewing company, Cincinnati, Ohio, drink responsibly. Did you know canine caviar diets are formulated with common health concerns in mind, such as diabetes, cancer, and kidney disease? You see, canine caviar uses low GI carbs, which reduce hunger and prolong physical endurance. Free of GMO, gluten, hormones, steroids, and antibiotics, canine caviar's five-star dog and cat foods are the only alkaline-based foods in the world, and that promotes a healthy lifestyle for your furry family. Find out more at caninecaviar.com. Animal Radio is underwritten in part by Viagen Pets, the leading provider of animal genetic preservation and cloning services. Preserve the genes of your dog or cat to extend the special bond you share with them. Learn more at www.viagenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N-Pets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Animal Radio, and we are definitely celebrating that connection with your furry friend. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani. And uh, last week we started with Doc Halligan, the weekly once-over. And this is really great because, you know, you can take your animal to the vet, but your vet doesn't see your animal every day. So they can run all kinds of tests, but you're going to be the first person that notices a difference if something's awry. So last week we started with the face, and this week we're going to move down the body. Right, and again, remember you should do this once a week on all your pets in good lighting, the same way, just getting a little routine, and make it fun for them. Give them some treats and love them, you know. So, yeah, we ended with the lymph nodes under the jaw, and so then the next would be the skin and the coat. You know, the skin is the largest organ of the body. It's their first line of defense. You use your hands, all right, because you could miss something visually. So then, you know, really get your hands down under their coat to their skin. And you want to run your hand 
you know, really all over them, you know, like their forelegs and under their arms and all along their legs. What are we and looking for? You're looking for any kind of a pain response that your pet does or any kind of bump that you see or t- texture that's different, any kind of growth, something like that. So um, that's what you're looking for. Also, you're looking for discharge like flakes or that black pepper stuff. That's actually flea poop, which is undigested blood. Mm. So when you see the pepper stuff, that's... That means that there is a flea somewhere. Okay. Um, and your, your, after you're doing this, your hands shouldn't be all greasy. You know, they shouldn't have, you know, dogs will get greasy because they make too much sebum in their sebaceous glands. And that can be the sign of a low thyroid. So get a, get a good feel of how your animals should normally look and. Are there um, certain bumps that we should be more concerned about, like bumps that move and bumps that don't move? Well, you know what I mean? A bump's a bump, you know? And I mean, honestly, the only way you can really tell what it is is by either taking it off and biopsying it okay. or doing a fine needle aspirate, taking a little aspirate of what's inside that bump and looking at it under the microscope. Okay. But most vets will not commit 100% because we could be wrong and we will rely on diagnostics to help us. Because, you know, how, again, if you catch, how, okay, have you ever, did you see that dog that had like the, the 50 pound tumor on it? Yeah. That got turned into, okay. That started out as one cell. Wow. All right. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, why would you wait? You know, it's not going to go away. I mean, they're just going to keep getting bigger. So my point is get it addressed at early and then we can decide if we need to take it off or whatever. But, you know, have it seen because you could think it's just nothing and it could be something. Um, all right. So then we get down to the bum and all <laughs> dogs and cats have anal glands. Now these are, uh, just glands that are, have little holes, uh, that actually squirt liquid on the stool as they're having a bowel movement. And is to that? To scent their stool. Oh, to scent it. Is that the only <laughs> yeah. reason they're, they, they're, there? that's it. Can they, they be got removed? No use. Yeah. And I, oh, absolutely. Anal saculectomies I've done in my career because these poor dogs have these glands that, so they make, um, secretions. Their bodies do, and then they, when they have a bowel movement, it squirts out a little bit, right? Well, some dogs have very small ducts, and it doesn't squirt out, and so it's like a big pimple, and they will actually abscess, and it's very, very painful for the dog, and it's just nasty. Is that why your dog does the boot scoot and boogie? They do that, and you know, they'll actually, look, I had a dog come to emergency once, and it was circling backwards, and we're thinking, you know, neurologic, what, it was the anal glands, and the dog didn't know how to, <laughs> to get at it. Oh, wow. He was like acting so weird, but yeah, so they're, um, lift up the tail and look and see if you smell anything. And of course, if your dog is licking back there or scooting, you know, make them, make, uh, take them into the vet so that we can check them because we can manually express them. Um, now, the toenails, it's interesting, you know, I'll, I would say on a weekly occurrence, we will have a dog uh, that will come in with a torn nail or a cat where the nail has grown, usually the dewclaw, the thumb, oh, yeah. has curved into its own skin. Ouch. Because 
um, they, you know, don't wear those off. And watch your dog walk. I mean, if you see these dogs with super long nails, it's like a woman in stilettos. <laughs> and and they have trouble walking. And if you hear them clickety, click, 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 that's usually a sign that they're too long, too. And unfortunately, it's a part of owning a pet. They have to get their nails trimmed. Cats, you should be doing it. When they're kittens, you know, so they get used to it, and dogs as well. Now, cats, Although, do they have two claws? Cats don't have two claws. Uh, yes. They do? Absolutely. Do they need to be oh, cut? Yeah. Yes. I don't think I've ever cut my cat's two claws. Ever. Wow. Yes. Wow. No, I check cut. You better go check they, they're chew, You know what? Curl. They're chewing it off. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what's probably happening. They all have that thumb. Yeah, they're, they'll chew it off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then last but not least is, you know, uh, pinch an inch for the weight while you're doing all this. You know, if you can pinch like a big wad over the rib cage, chances are your pet is overweight and 60 to 70% are these days. So. And isn't it usually true that if they're overweight, the owners are overweight too? <laughs> no, no, uh-uh. Uh, but I mean, no, I wouldn't say that. Okay. There it is. The weekly once over from Doc Halligan. Now, if you missed last week's, head on over to the website at Animal Radio. Pet. Please do this check once a week on your animals and check out the Lucy Pet Foundation. That's where Doc Halligan's from, lucypetfoundation.org. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at animalradio.com. Log on, learn more. Vistaprint semi-annual sale is going on now through Tuesday, July 19th, and customers are really excited. Perhaps up to 50% off site-wide has something to do with it. And it's really easy to redeem. Just enter promo code SAVEBIG at checkout. No space between save and big. 500 business cards start at $9.99. Postcards and flyers are 50% off. And banners and posters, they're 50% off. Go to Vistaprint.com now through July 19th and browse their wide selection of custom products. While you're there, save up to 50% off site-wide. Just be sure to enter promo code SAVEBIG at checkout. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio. Featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And welcome, my friend. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. This hour, we have giveaways. We're going to have a pod GPS Wi-Fi pet tracker to give away in just a few minutes. Very excited about that. This, this is the new thing, these trackers. I know. It's become very popular. I think that's really cool that you can look on your phone, a smartphone, and see find your dog. dog. Yeah, see where he's located if he's run away. When I was a kid, you know, they, they, they didn't have any of this technology. You lost your dog, you'd make a flyer. <laughs> You'd Xerox it for about five cents a piece, uh-huh. and you'd, you'd hang them around the neighborhood. Put but them now on the telephone poles. So much amazing technology, you'd never lose your animals now. And you got a free lost and found ad in the newspaper. Yes, I remember that. Newspapers. Those were the uh, paper things that told the Daily News, <laughs> yes. right? Right. Also on the show, in just a few minutes, five pets that are illegal to own with Robert Simro. He'll tell us. I can't even imagine. I'm thinking maybe ferret, maybe not. Depends where you are on that. But oh, I can think of a few. How about a sloth? Probably is illegal to own a sloth. Uh, I don't think too many people really want to own a sloth. What do you mean? I'd own a sloth in a second. <laughs> Are you kidding? I would love a sloth. Would you? Yes. Oh, why didn't you say something? Because I don't think you can have them. As I think they're ex- exotic, and I think that there's permits that you would need for them. And I don't think it'd be fair to the sloth, even though I don't think sloths. I wonder if you could buy if you can buy sloth food at <laughs> PetSmart and Petco. Well, yeah. Miss Lori Brooks in the newsroom with no sloths in there today, just Gordy snoring away in the background. Just Gordy, yeah. What are you working on? Um, I'm not going to ask you to think too much here, but okay. uh, I'll make you wait a couple minutes until we give you the answer. But what do you think? Are pets getting, dogs specifically, 
Are they getting bigger or are they getting smaller? Oh, I think they're getting fatter. Would I was just going to say fatter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's ask taller or shorter. Taller or shorter. Mm, okay. We'll mm-hmm. have to wait on that. I, don't, I would I would guess that they're, I don't know. We'll have to wait. <laughs> I've gone from tall to short. I know that. In your business, Joey? No, in, I'm, no I'm talking about in my household. Um, you know, oh. <laughs> growing up, you know, we, we've had big dogs. We've had big dogs um, forever. And then um, the older I've gotten, I've, I prefer smaller dogs. But that's just me. Hmm. And let's head to the phones. We have Shirley on the phones. Hi, Shirley. How are you doing? Hi. What Hi. fair city are you calling from today? I'm from uh, South Pasadena, California. South Pasadena? We we're just talking about Pasadena. Well, so what's going on? How can we help you? Well, I have a cat. Uh, he's about four years old, and he uh, eats his fur. Oh, gosh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> and then he, he's got... From his uh, belly on down, no hair. All right. Is and is it just on his belly that he's uh, chewing the hair out, or is it other parts of his body? Well, his legs, all of his legs, no hair. You, okay. There's like a ring around the upper portion. Okay. What kind of and, kitty and uh, and does, what kind of kitty and does? And okay. Does he go outside? We don't know. No. Uh. Uh-uh. He. Okay. I know it has to do with the heat because uh, you know when it was cold and in the winter. His hair all grew back. He did this last year, too. Oh, okay. That, uh, and then he scratches a lot, and he's got now scabs and stuff. And he's so okay. cute. Aw. Cute but bald on his backside, huh? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Shirley. You know, I'm going to say it's probably not heat, um, but anytime we have a cat that's um, chewing their hair out, whether they're pulling it out in clumps or barbering it and kind of chewing it and licking it so it breaks off in pieces, number one thing I like to look at is really evaluate for potential allergies or other types of skin disease. So in areas where we have fleas, I always like to make sure we're doing really adequate flea control, even if they are indoors, because if you have other pets coming in and out, um, you know, fleas can find their way. So that's very one very important thing to look at. But if we do see a season to when he seems to have this problem, well, I would really look at allergies as a potential cause. And cats can be allergic to a lot of things. In a seasonal way, they can be allergic to pollens, grasses, environmental allergens like dust mites. Um, um, so we really want to look at that. Um, they can also have food allergy, but if the symptoms continue year-round, then I might think more food allergy. But seasonal, I'd say, hmm, maybe we have a cat that's allergic to something. So this would be something to, when I, whenever I'm presented with a cat like this, I would like to do a couple things. And the first things we want to do is make sure we don't have some infection-type problems that are going on, whether they be parasites like mites or um, things like ringworm, which are a fungus. Um, so a good visit to your veterinarians in line to make sure we don't have those things, and that may require they do a couple uh, skin samples, skin testing to evaluate that. But then we need to really look at what's going to be the best way to manage things. And if your veterinarian thinks it is in an allergy-type condition, then there's a lot of things that we can do. Um, sometimes we can actually test a cat for allergies. Um, if you're not really willing to, you know, get into the cost or the, um, the steps of doing that, there's a lot of other options that we can try. One of the first things I do is I'd like to try a hypoallergenic diet. And I know I said that it may or may not be that because there's a season to your cat's symptoms, but a lot of this can overlap. So putting them on a novel protein diet or a hypoallergenic diet 
as prescribed by your vet, can be a really good thing, simple, easy for you to control. The other types of steps that we do might be things that are medications, um, things like antihistamines. Um, so there are some like uh, chlorpheniramine or cyproheptidine that we can give to cats that can be helpful. Um, other steps we might use, fatty acids, um, just like we do in dogs with skin disease. That can be something you can use for cats to help manage their symptoms. Um, and then for some cats, we'll look at steroids, either in pill or injection forms, to give them that relief so that they don't scratch, chew, and um, cause themselves harm. But the other thing that, you know, before we say, oh, gosh, you know, here's a, I hate to say, you know, here's a, a shampoo or a cream or something you're going to use because... In most of these situations, it's something we really need to address medically. Um, allergies, skin infections, parasites. And believe it or not, some cats will actually do this to themselves in the area you're describing when they have medical problems. And I've commonly found that cats can have bladder infections and chew the hair on their abdomen. I've had a cat with anal gland infections chew the hair on their abdomen, um, as well as even cats with um, spinal arthritis. So even if you don't suspect there's something else causing it, talk to your veterinarian because a lot of times we'll find out, ah, oh, you know, the kitty also has an inappropriate urination problem. is peeing in spots you shouldn't. Well, that might clue your vet in to say, okay, let's make sure we check that urine sample and uh, maybe do a little blood work and make sure we're picking the right disease that we're treating because that's a really the big thing here. And uh, I don't. I didn't ask you, um, Shirley, if your uh, vet had tried anything. If you used any medications? No, I ha- I haven't been to the vet with him. Uh, the only reason why I haven't is because when it got cold, he didn't do it, and his hair all grew back from uh, last time. Mm-hmm. But uh, this time, you know, our weather goes from so high to so low in a <laughs> day's time, mm. and it sure. drives the cats crazy. Yeah, well, I think so that the good news I is have that... three cats, and the other two are fine. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the good news is, Shirley, that if you haven't tried anything, there's a lot of things your vet can um, offer you and at least um, discuss with you. Yeah. But you got to get, get your kitty in the cat carrier and get her to the vet, um, and then we can yeah. work on trying to get some solutions. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling. Thank you, Shirley, for your call today. Toll free at 1-866-405-8405. Reach out to any one of the Dream Team, Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani, right now. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten in part by Stella and Chewies. You know, pets thrive when they're fed the same food they'd get in the wild. And meal mixers are an easy, convenient way to add raw, nutrient-rich meat, wholesome fruits, vegetables, probiotics, and antioxidants to your dog's diet. Learn more at StellaChewies.com. And thanks, guys, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio list, five pets that are illegal to own. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Rob, if they're pets, they're certainly legal, right? Well, that's not necessarily the case depending on the state or the city that you live in. There can be legal issues for having common pets that exist in different states or cities. Let's start with ferrets. In several states and large cities, including California, Hawaii, New York City, and Dallas, to just name a few, ferrets are illegal and if caught, you could face fines up to $200,000 or even prison time. That's right, ferrets, the court jesters of the animal kingdom, and enough cuteness to power any world, are illegal in certain places. 
Some states do allow you to have them as pets, but require additional filings, and you must meet certain requirements as well. Next up is gerbils. If you're in California, you may be surprised to know that your state doesn't allow gerbils as a pet, as they're considered a threat to the ecosystem. These tiny palm-sized pets are common household pets in many areas of the U.S., and they're easy to care for and handle while also being social creatures. Next up is the hedgehog, and no, I'm not talking about the video game version, but the super cute, albeit very spiny hedgehog. These fascinating and easy to care for animals have very simple needs and are quite adaptable. They're interactive, yet if handled improperly, they can use their quills to get their point across. <laughs> yes, I went there. The bigger concern is that there are certain states and municipalities who deem them illegal as pets and/or have severe restrictions, including California, Georgia, Hawaii, Pennsylvania, and more. Let's not forget that there are also a number of fish and snakes that are illegal to own in various states throughout the United States. It's remarkable the variety of these species that are found legally in the homes of people in one state, yet they're not allowed in the homes of other states. And finally, I'd be remiss not to bring up the troubling movement to ban certain breeds of dogs and cats in cities and states across the country. From Bengal cats to pit bull dogs, traditional pets are increasingly under the scrutiny of the legal system. And while this list could go on for many days, I bring it up as a reminder that while you have rights, states and cities have laws. And I'm not saying these laws or regulations are right or wrong. I am, however, saying consider this when you're looking at adopting a new animal family member, and remember that you're responsible to know the laws where you live in regards to your animal family members. Don't make the mistake of assuming anything, or you may find yourself in big trouble and your pet confiscated, or even worse. Share your pet legal stories on our Animal Radio Facebook page. Geico presents Kathy, the candid real estate agent. As you can see, this apartment has crown molding, and yes, that's a working fireplace. Can't you see yourself curling up with a good book? At least until a pipe bursts, and then you'll need to replace your brand new upholstered sofa. <laughs> that thing will soak up water like a sponge. It's hard to know all that comes with renting a home or apartment. That's why the Geico Insurance Agency makes getting covered for personal property loss and damage quick and easy. Visit Geico.com and see how affordable renters insurance can be. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. It's Animal Radio. A whole bunch of animals on the radio. That's where we are, with a whole bunch of animals in the studio today. Seems like we have a full house of all kinds of animals. Hopefully, you get to bring your animals to work with you. Supposedly, employers who allow animals to come to work find that there's more productivity. I don't know if that's true here at Animal Radio. I'd be brushing my dog the whole day. I don't know. I'd be like, oh, get your hair out of your eyes. Come over here. I'd be kissing <laughs> mine and hugging her and just, come here, Mama. I wouldn't get much work done. Coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to give away a GPS Wi-Fi pet tracker from Pet Trackers. Oh, and I want to welcome to our family. Our family keeps getting bigger. And, you know, it's amazing that we've been doing this 15 years, and then we're still getting brand new stations joining us. We want to welcome WFNC AM640 in Fayette. North Carolina. So if you're listening in the Fayetteville area, welcome to my left, Dr. Debbie to my right, Lori Brooks, Judy Francis, and Joey Volani all here for you today. Here's our number, toll free, 1-866-405-8405. 
And if you can't get through, you can also ask your questions from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Uh, Miss Brooks, news is just around the corner. What are you working on? A story about a, a cat and its owner who had to, you know, she was nervous about her cat's behavior. That was so bad, she had to put a warning note in every neighbor's mailbox, <laughs> kind of alerting them. We'll tell you what it was all about. Oh, that's wild. That's on the way right here on Animal Radio. Let's go to the phones. Hey, Neil, how are you doing? Not bad. How are you doing? Good. What's up? Okay, I've got a three-year-old female Doberman pincer, and uh, when she was two years old, we had her fixed. And uh, ever since she got fixed, or ever since we got her fixed, she has had trouble holding her urine. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever she whenever she lays down and goes to sleep, when she gets into a deep sleep, she just leaks all over her badminton. You can tell that in her face, she knows, hey, I've done something bad, and oh, God, and you know the deal. It's She's like, embarrassed. It's like a, <laughs> you know, it's like catching a little kid that just went to bed and don't want to tell you about it. She feels so guilty, but of course you can't scold her because it's an accident. Exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? Okay. So um, I took her back to the vet, and the doctor, uh, our veterinarian, has given us uh, this medication that's very expensive. And I can't remember the name of it, but they're supposed to give her the uh, pill in the morning when she eats and a pill around noon. And, uh, of course, we uh, don't give her a lot of water, okay? Now, whenever she needs to go outside, she'll smack the cowbell. We'll take her outside. And uh, her urine is a, is very dark, and you can smell it. So how is – no, is she still on this medicine, and, and is it helping her? Well – Yes and no. Uh, it is helping her not wet the bed, but it's 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 we're spending a lot of money masking a problem. Okay. Well, a couple things from what you're saying. Um, now, the first thing that we'll just wanted to go over is that the female dogs can definitely develop some incontinence issues, and it basically is most common when we we hear stories of dogs that are sleeping or they're um, coming from a lying position and they get up and then they you find a puddle of urine. So for that, in a female dog, yes, most often they are spayed. So for some dogs, it can actually be related to an estrogen deficiency. In other dogs, it's just a matter of of the urethral sphincter, and it's just not working well. So there are some great options to help pets that have this. Now, if you're looking for a fix for it, you got it, and it's probably going to be a pill. Um, as far as there are some more, in, I don't want to say invasive, but some more corrective things, but they're usually involving putting collagen in the bladder and injections, and it's, it's really not something we recommend for the average pet. Um, for most yeah. dogs that have this, they can be well-controlled with medications. Um, now, I'm not sure which one your um, pet is on, but there is um, a couple different ones we can choose from. One is called phenylpropylamine, also known as PPA, and it's usually given two to three times a day, um, and it helps to improve the, the tone in the urinary sphincter. And for a lot of dogs, that may be all they need to control their symptoms. For other okay. dogs, that may not do enough, and um, we may go into a more of an estrogen compound. And those may be given typically only maybe once or twice a week because there's you know, uh, definitely good and bad with all these medicines. Um, I can yeah. tell you, my own female dog, um, 13 and a half year old gal, she has urinary incontinence, and she's had it since an early age. Um, yeah, she but was did, a re- did it just happen overnight? 
It can, yeah, it definitely can. Um, sure. The big question is, and, and granted, I don't know all the details of your pet's health, but when we do diagnose this type of problem, we want to make sure we're not missing something else because there's a lot of other reasons that can cause a dog to produce a lot of urine and not be able to hold it. And I've actually found uh, a high amount of dogs that start doing this kind of urine leakage. We may treat them with a urinary incontinence medicine, but we're not really maybe always catching the real problem. And I found that some right. dogs are actually developing a they have a kidney problem, a liver problem, or some other disorder, and it just makes them drink more, and they can't hold their urine. So if we just treat for the trying to make them hold their urine, we're not really getting to the heart of things. So if your vet hasn't done a full blood panel, I would recommend that. The other thing, and it kind of concerns me when you say your dog's urine is dark and that you're restricting water for a dog that has um, an excessive thirst. There could be a lot of negatives with that. So um, now I know, I'm not opposed to I know. maybe right I, before bed. Time, uh, but we have to we have to really watch the toilet seat. <laughs> she yeah, sneak oh, sure. in there and get a drink out of the toilet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean anything I that's available. That, I mean it's water, you know. I mean, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But so I for feel me, so bad because her her tongue is actually dry. Okay, well, you need to get this baby checked out then. I, I'm going to give you a prescription for getting um, a blood panel pulled on her, and I would definitely get a urine sample. And the reason is that a lot of dogs on urinary continence medicines can actually develop retention urinary tracts and infections. So we kind of messed with their ability to hold their urine, and that sometimes can allow bacteria to flourish in the bladder longer. So um, okay. those two things, I would make sure you get your vet to check the blood and check the urine and make sure we're not developing something else that's causing her to drink excessively Um, because definitely you can create problems if we're not kind of being vigilant with that for over a decade viagen has been the leading provider of genetic preservation and cloning services of prized livestock with thousands of satisfied clients now announcing viagen pets providing genetic preservation and cloning services to pet parents consider preserving the genes of your pet to extend the special bond you share with them. Get your free information kit and special offer for animal radio listeners at www.viagenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N-Pets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy with prescription medications and over-the-counter products like Advantix Flea and Tick medication delivered right to your door. Learn more at fosterandsmith.com. I'm Lori Brooks. There's a new study out from the University of Sydney that says the average size of a dog these days is shrinking. And that's apparently because more pet owners now prefer smaller dogs to be their companions. Researchers analyzed nearly three decades of registrations in order to get this information. They were registrations with the Kennel Club, a UK-based dog welfare organization. They found dog lovers are also increasingly opting for bulldogs and pugs because of their large heads. But get this, the bulldog-pug popularity is also said to be driven partly by their big eyes and chubby cheeks that apparently triggers the same caretaking behavioral responses in humans that we adults have towards babies. The study in the Canine Journal Genetics and Epidemiology found the average height of a dog in 2010 was 47.7 centimeters, or to us, that's almost 19 inches. Ten years earlier, a typical dog stood at close to 
to 20 inches tall. The lead researcher on that study says they also found that the demand for smaller dogs has increased every single year since 1986. Pet cemeteries are becoming increasingly popular these days in China, with owners there paying a whole lot of money to bury their pets. It costs between fifty and $1,800 for an owner in China to bury their pets on a plot in a cemetery there. Rows of tombstones at one cemetery, they say, bear the names of many pets, along with flowers, toys, food, and even vitamins and chew bones that are placed beside headstones. Pet owners who wish to give their animals in China a more formal send-off can opt to bury their animal under the roots of old trees or in a single grave. And like in America, they can also opt for cremation. Well, this cat has got more than your tongue, and it might be kind of embarrassing. A pet cat in New Zealand has been stealing men's underwear and socks from other people's homes. In the last two months, the six-year-old cat named Bridget acquired 11 pairs of underwear and more than 50 pairs of socks. Bridget's owner says she has put notes in every single mailbox on her street trying to warn her neighbors, but no one is admitting to missing anything yet. But one day, they say Bridget came home from being outdoors very motherly, then came in carrying a sock like it was a kitten. So maybe that's her attraction. You know, I'm always wondering where that sock went, that extra sock. Every time I do laundry, maybe we have a sock ceiling cat around. You're missing any underwear, Hal. I am. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy. With everyday low prices on products like Quellin and Rimadil delivered right to your door with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Learn more at fosterandsmith.com. I'll just check where she asked, and it's gone. You had them on just I a minute know. ago. <laughs> you know, that'd be a good way, honey. I don't know who's underwear that is to cat put them in. Is there something yeah, you want to tell me, dear? <laughs> it's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And over the last several weeks, we've been talking about cloning and genetic preservation with Viagen Pets. And we have back Melaine Rodriguez. She is the client service manager over at Viagen Pets. Now, the deal is that you need to go into your own vet to get the DNA. Uh, they'll actually collect the DNA for genetic preservation. That's right. So successful genetic preservation and cloning depends upon Viagen pets receiving a high-quality tissue sample taken from the pet by their veterinarian. So you can imagine the veterinarian plays a key role sure. in the genetic preservation and cloning services. Now, unfortunately, not all veterinarians are aware of our services. So for the past year and a half, Viagen Pets has been traveling across the country. I've been attending veterinary conferences, and the goal here is to inform the veterinarians about our services and educating them on the process so that when they have a client that comes to them who may be interested in this, they know what to do. What is the reaction that you get from veterinarians when you start talking about this? I'm sure you get the whole gamut of reactions. <laughs> One into <Yeah>. the other. <laughs> we do, and for the most part, it's positive. Um, this service can really offer uh, a benefit to the veterinarians. Most veterinarians at one point in their career are going to go through what's called compassion fatigue um, in dealing with end-of-life situations for pets. You know, they got into this career because they love animals, but unfortunately they spend so much of their career dealing with ill animals and, and pets and situations like that. So what genetic preservation can do for the veterinarian is to get them an extra tool. Um, something else they can offer the client in an end-of-life situation where the client comes to them and says, Doc, is, is there anything else we can do? What else can we do? And so 
the veterinarian can offer this genetic preservation and potential cloning as an alternative, um, something that can give the client some hope. I was actually wondering, is there, because this is, you know, a lot of emotions going on when a pet is lost, and as veterinarians, we always kind of feel kind of in the middle. Um, is there any kind of emotional counseling or support that Viagen Pets gives um, to a prospective person who might be looking to clone? Definitely, and I'm, I'm usually the one that handles those types of calls, so I don't have any formal training, but I've been through this service a lot. Um, so I've been through this, and so I'm, I'm happy to talk the clients through the process because we don't want them to make a rash emotional decision. We want them to be fully informed and have their expectations met before they move on into this process. Uh, but unfortunately, most of the time, the clients are in an end-of-life situation where they really have to act urgently. So we encourage clients to think about this ahead of time before their pet is in that end-of-life situation. Um, Think about this, make sure it's something they want to do, plan for it, uh, and then they can have that service done at any point. They don't have to make any immediate decisions about cloning. They can just genetically preserve the DNA and then go through the process of deciding whether or not they want to clone down the road. That's right. The cells can be stored indefinitely. So they don't have to clone right away. Most clients choose just to store the cells with us. It takes about a month to grow the cells for the genetic preservation service, and then those cells are stored indefinitely. Well, you definitely hold everybody's hand the whole way. So if people have questions right now, they want to get in touch with you and find out answers to their questions, what number do they call? They can call me at 888-876-6104. There's also some great information on our website at ViagenPets.com. Yeah, there is a whole lot of information over there. Check it out, ViagenPets.com. That's spelled V-I-A-G-E-N, Pets.com. Of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. Melaine, thanks so much for hanging with us today. Great, thank you. Hello, Sherry. How are you? Good, how are you today? Well, I've got a nine-month-old Yorkshire Terrier who is in heat, and I have some questions. Well, go ahead. What do we got going on with that heat cycle? Okay, well, it seems like it's been lasting forever. But um, she went through the stage where the other dogs wanted to be around her, but I didn't notice anything. And then her vulva started to swell, and she started to bleed very little bit. The bleeding has stopped. Her vulva is still swollen. Um, My curiosity is, will that go back down? It will, yes, but there's conditions to that. So go ahead. What's your other part of the question? The other question was, I have a a 20-pound little terrier mix that is male who locked up with her this morning, and she, and he's fixed. (laughs) And (laughs) she, um, she didn't know what to make of all of it, and we could, didn't know what to do, so we put them in the bathtub. (laughs) Wow. To get them apart. So that's a crude awakening or a rude awakening, I should say. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Let's talk about this baby's heat cycle. And so how long has she actually been in heat? You said she bled for a couple days. Yeah, I would. my best guess is that she's probably been in heat a good 16 or 17 days. Okay. Well, the unpleasant news here, Sherry, is that dogs can be in heat for a long period of time. And we don't really get too worried up until about six weeks. Um, So this whole process of discharge and vaginal swelling, all of that kind of can span that time frame. And for some dogs, they may only have bleeding for as little as one day, but some dogs will bleed up to three weeks. And that vulvar swelling, the vaginal swelling that you're describing, that can last up until that six-week period of time after that first bleeding starts. So you got a long period of time. And there are some dogs that will have a little bit of residual swelling in the vaginal area 
afterwards. But um, it, it's very interesting to me that you said that you have a male that is neutered and they actually tied because usually that's a, a pretty much a hormone-driven thing on his part for that process and that physical connection that where they actually got stuck together. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes. And they weren't moving. They were just staring at us like, what do we do next? Oh my goodness. He, he must be an oversexed little fella if he's already had his little, little bazonkers taken away from him and he's still doing the deed. And he's been well, after I, her for four or five days and we just, you know, kept shooing him and kept shooing him. Well, this morning we didn't get to him fast enough, so. Yeah, well, and has he been recently neutered or is that something he's been, oh, no, it's he's been seven, done for? Or he's eight. Oh. Yeah, he's, no, it's been a long time. <laughs> okay. Well, very good. Now, and of course, I'm going to have to put my little advertisement in for your little girl is to get this gal spayed. Um, oh, because I know, but I want puppies. I know. I'm not listening. I'm not listening to that because I'm going to talk about her health benefits. And, and there's a ton of Yorkie puppies, and I'll tell you that at my shelter, it breaks my heart. I can guarantee you if I walk through today at our local shelters here in Las Vegas, I can find many purebred Yorkies sitting in the midst of those cages waiting for a home. So any pets that you add to the pet population are going to displace those and those are going to be euthanized because someone's going to want a puppy before they're going to want to take on a a pet that needs a home that's already on this earth so i would have to put my advertisement in for that but also for her health and and her well-being just to help prevent mammary cancers and a lot of these reproductive complications Alan Cable, it's your mess. Fun tame up your heart and your head. Here's your real dogs doing amazing things. Watch. You wouldn't think he's 10 years old just by the way he acts. Tucker gets into a lot of trouble. Known in the family to be the food burglar. And because of that, an amazing secret that was hiding in Tucker's belly is about to be revealed to the world. After I turn around, the popsicle is gone. Tucker ate it stick and all. You know, smacking his jaws. But you know, with dogs, often what goes in comes right back out. Stick and all, everything came out. Two days later, something else came out. And I look in the paper towel, and here is my wedding ring. I kid you not. My wedding ring? Her ring went missing five years ago. I was devastated. The bet thinks the popsicle stick may have dislodged the ring. Friends have said, I want a dog that throws up diamonds. Like, who doesn't, right? So I have my wedding ring back, and Tucker is <laughs> he's my hero. Hero? That dog's a jewel thief. And I don't even care. <laughs> this is Animal Radio, baby. For over a decade, Viagen has been the leading provider of genetic preservation and cloning services of prized livestock with thousands of satisfied clients. Now announcing Viagen Pets, providing genetic preservation and cloning services to pet parents. Consider preserving the genes of your pet to extend the special bond you share with them. Get your free information kit and special offer for animal radio listeners at www.viagenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N-Pets.com. This is Animal Radio, baby. And let's take another one for our world's greatest vet, our very own Dr. Debbie. And we have Tim, who I understand has two questions. Do we allow that? Do we allow two questions? I'm going to allow Yeah. Okay, we'll allow two questions. Hey, Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you taking two questions. Uh, first thing is, I've got a, um, well, he's supposed to be a miniature long-haired dachshund, but I don't think there's anything miniature about him. Uh, <laughs> he weighs 15 pounds, so I think they... <laughs> they sold me a line as well as a dog. But anyway, when he drinks his water, he gets choked. I mean, he gags and sounds like he's going to throw up and just has a real rough time with it. So I was just wondering if there was anything that you knew could be causing that. Mm-hmm. And is it only when he's drinking water or does he have problems with food? 
No, no problems with food at all. And is it pretty consistent that he does it most every time he's drinking? It, it's pretty consistent, yeah. Yeah, and there are some dogs that we can see this where they start this gagging right after drinking. There's some concern that there could be a sensory nerve dysfunction, so basically they're kind of not sensing things back in the back of the throat really well, and it actually is leading to them aspirating and choking on that water. So, so that's a possibility. It's a little challenging to determine that just from looking at a dog, so there is testing involved. However, there are pets that it's more than just that, and it's more than just them kind of coughing this up. And for some pets, they can actually develop some dysfunction um, with the laryngeal area and basically where the muscles in the throat don't coordinate normally and it allows food or water to actually kind of go down that wrong pipe. Um, that's a little bit more um, advanced of a situation. And with those pets, we can see more uh, labored breathing. They actually may have pneumonia. Uh, they may have a different breathing pattern at, a, at rest. So it doesn't quite sound like you're in that situation. Um, so I guess the, the simple thing is that it might be something to look at um, and to do a little bit more investigation, maybe start with some x-rays of the neck area and maybe have a good anesthetic exam where the vet looks down the throat. Those might be some things to kind of get a little bit better comfort, whether it is something of concern or not. Now, there are some simple things that I would instruct you to maybe try at home to see if this helps to alleviate um, the symptoms. And if all you're left with is that just he kind of coughs and gags with water and it doesn't lead to anything more serious, then we may just need to try these things. And, and one would be to try um, elevating the food and water on a little feeding stand. And for some dogs, that's all it takes is that just that elevation and little height can make a difference. Okay. The, the other thing you can try is to experiment a little bit and add, instead of offering just plain water, you can actually add the water to the food. Um, if he eats kibble or um, even canned food, you can just add some of his drinking water to that. And because he'll be eating it, it may not cause that same reaction. And that way you kind of help to minimize some of the coughing and gagging he does at other times. Um, okay. But those might just be some little experiments you can try to see if that helps make a difference for him. Okay, the second thing was, and this is gross, but how often should you express the anal glands? <laughs> anal glands, it's one of our favorite topics in the vet world. Um, <laughs> the, the answer is as often as you need to. Uh, does your guy have some problems where he's scooting his bottom or he has leakage of those glands? Well, he doesn't leak and he doesn't scoot that much. He does occasionally, but he, he really bites at it a lot. And okay. I know it's All not right. fleas. He doesn't have fleas. And, mm-hmm. and um, I take it, I take him to one of the major chains to have him groomed once a month. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they said that that's one of the indications that his, his uh, glands needs to be expressed. So they always yeah. do it. And that's once a month. And I was just a little surprised that he may need it more than that. That seems kind of often. Well, you know, for our dachshunds, once a month is actually a very common reality. Um, more than that, I can't say that we don't occasionally have a pet we do more than once a month, but I try to avoid it if possible. Um, although, you know, I'll tell you my little puppy, <laughs> I'm down to like every two weeks um, for him because he actually starts leaking his gland material around the house. So so I'm kind of with you there. <laughs> I'm getting a little frustrated.
frustrated with these glands. Um, but yeah, I would shoot for once a month if you can. But for the, you know, average pet, maybe non-dachshund, I'd say every one month to every three months. Um, and how do you know if there's a problem? Yeah, if they're scooting, licking, biting at the bottom, um, or leaving lovely little stinky smells that smell like nasty tuna coming out of a can. Um, to me, that's a symptom that we need what, to get those. What causes that? Because Ladybug doesn't deal with that, uh, you know, uh, don't want to jinx it there, knock on wood, but why is it one dog has to have their anal glands expressed more than another dog? You know, there's a lot of theories out there. Some folks think that it's related to the fiber content in the diet, so they'll try to bulk up their stools to make them not have problems. But, you know, it, it doesn't always work that way. Um, there are some breeds where we just tend to see more problems. Basset hounds and dachshunds are probably my number two breeds that we see frequent anal gland expressions that just need to be done for comfort and, you know, and for owner's happiness. <laughs> um, and then, you know, just some dogs, uh, we can see more problems if they have food allergies. They can have have more symptoms of the anal glands. Um, so, you know, some of those things we can kind of play with diet a little bit for some pets as well. And, you know, there's that occasional pet we will talk about taking these glands out. And, you know, I may be signing up boss <laughs> for this surgery if I have to keep squeezing these glands every 7 to 14 days. Wow. Um, so I'll keep you posted on that one. I didn't realize you have that done, so maybe that will be a, be a possibility. Mm. Yeah, you can. And it's definitely, the surgery is not the, the first choice we have. Because if we can manage something without having to cut out a body part, we definitely would prefer it. Hope that helps well, you, Tim. I appreciate your help. Enjoy the call. Thank you. I appreciate, appreciate you listening to Animal Radio. You tell your friends about it, okay? I will. Okay. The more listeners we can get, the better I can pay rent. Hey, I'm just telling you the way it is, okay? Let's pile on those listeners. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, if you need to get your fix of Animal Radio, head on over to AnimalRadio.com and download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And we'll catch you next week for more Animal Radio right here. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Goodbye. So long. This is Animal Radio Network.